This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Because if you don't know your history, you don't know your future. And your future has to be what happened the early days under Martin and Jimmy Murphy without doubt and, and, and tell them that what Jimmy did about planting seeds about the, the history that is the most important thing you can do with young players coming to my United tell them what the, their expectation is to realise the expectation this is what from point for my United there's no point for Bolton Wonders or Burry or, or Rochdale it's a point for the biggest club in the world So they say it's the darkest before the dawn and never was it darker than um, 1988, 1989 for Alex Ferguson and Paddy. Um, well, really, no, 89, 90 before, before the dawn came, but 88, yeah. 89 was a difficult year. Um, yeah. Started off with the, the player that he didn't sign, um, Paul Gascoigne. Yeah. Can remember much about that transfer negotiation? Obviously, massively highly rated at Newcastle. He'd made mincemeat of Brian Robson in a game at, at St James's Park. Yeah, Ferguson had uh, ranted at uh, Robson, you know, get a grip, and Robson couldn't get near this phenomenon. Um, I remember seeing him at, uh, at Highbury against Arsenal, another of the top teams, and once again he was outstanding, you know, just um, dominating, really. Um, you know, older and uh, more distinguished players at that time. Um, so naturally, Ferguson could see um, how good he was, uh, much in the same way as playing against uh, Cristiano Ronaldo sort of made him say, I've got to have this kid. So um, in later years, so he, 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 did, he thought he'd done it. He thought he'd uh, set up the deal in advance in the murky way that managers have to work. Uh, I always think the tapping up rules are just uh, laughable, aren't they? Um, but, uh, you know, how can you manage if you don't do that, you know? Um, but, um, yeah, it, 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 he thought, he thought he'd, it was all done, and, and the next thing is he's a Tottenham player. So um, that, uh, that was obviously a disappointment. Um, but looking back on it, you know, some of Ferguson's disappointments turn out to be blessings in disguise. Now, it, it may well have been um, that Gascoigne's later problems with alcohol... I mean, bear in mind that we're talking about an era in which Ferguson is trying to 
men make uh, is trying to reduce the alcohol uh, uh, culture at Manchester United um, by by getting rid of great players, uh, very good players anyway. Um, would he have been importing similar trouble to Old Trafford by by signing Gascoigne, or would he have reformed Gascoigne? Would he have changed the course of Gascoigne's life? Um, my suspicion, we can only guess, um, but my suspicion would have been um, that, that, that Gaza's problems with alcohol would have surfaced anyway, um, because they were rooted in more deep-seated problems. So, um, obviously, these are matters more um, more important than football, but so, you know, speculation in a way is a bit tasteless, but uh, I, I do have a feeling that that maybe from a football perspective, uh, the failure of that deal was a blessing in disguise. Yes, interesting. Um, that sort of walk down memory lane and sort yeah. of the meandering paths that one takes when you look at what could have been. And yeah, I think you're completely right that um, it could have been, if he'd had signed Gaza, there's a, a strong argument to suggest that he would have been defined by his failure to control the alcoholism of the club. Um, it's so strange how, how things like that work out. Um, it is. In in, in the modern era, Paddy, um, Manchester United have been heavily criticised um, in some circles, when they went back to sign a youth player for a record fee, Paul Pogba, Sir Alex Ferguson would never do something like that. Would he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Mark Hughes returned to the yes, club, a hugely yeah. popular um, figure. There was no division in terms of uh, what he might or might not bring to the club, um, but yeah, hugely popular um, signing that wasn't it. It was um, because you know, to 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 an extent, nobody really wanted to see him go. Hughes himself, uh, you know, expressed the opinion that he'd never want really wanted to go. Um, he'd not been as successful at Barcelona or Bayern uh, as 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 he had been in his early career at Manchester United. So it was great to have him back. He just felt it just felt he'd come home, and. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 he added to, simply added to the greater uh, physical competitiveness uh, of Manchester United. Uh, we're running ahead of ourselves, but, you know, that was to be a, um, uh, he, and he was to become a component of an in, in, intensely competitive, the first of, uh, the first of Ferguson's great teams, but enough of that you're going to tell me wait 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 we've got plenty of episodes to go <laughs> yeah and, and plenty of plays to talk about um, in yeah. terms of transfers um, just one that he didn't sign Mark Hughes obviously the player who did come in and perhaps this is one that's gone under the radar the joy of doing podcasts like this is that it enables us to go back into deeper dives and I found out something um, in the research which I, I'd not been aware of before in 1987 yeah. he asked Jesper Olsen if he wouldn't mind using these contacts in the Dutch setup mm. to ask Marco van Basten if he would mind making a move to Old Trafford. Mm. But the deal was scuppered by the news that van Basten had already signed a pre-contract agreement with Milan. Yeah. I, I did not know that. That's an incredible... No, no it, was, it was news to me. Um, <laughs> so, and I was supposed to be a newspaper man at the time. But... Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. But it, you know what it what what the Gascoigne and Van Basten moves uh, make clear is is that 
Ferguson wanted the best players in the world. I mm. mean, the Gascoigne was the, you know, arguably the best young player in Europe, one of them certainly. Um, I know that later when Napoli were trying to find out who to replace uh, 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 Diego Maradona with, you know, Gascoigne was on their radar, you know, so that's, you know, he was a world uh, phenomenon. And of course, uh, the same is true of Marco van Basten, possibly remembered now as the, as the best, one of the best number nines of all time, uh, mm -hmm. certainly in my opinion. Uh, so this, this was the kind of ambition that Ferguson had. You know, bear in mind that three years earlier, he was, you know, driving to places like Forfar and Arbroath uh, to watch games on, on, on behalf of Aberdeen just to see if he could pick up any knowledge or any, you know, player who might make a, a future star. Uh, and now he was scouring the world, you know. It's a, it was quite a different. But it was all the same to him, uh, mm. you know, as a, as a football man. His, his sights were always set high. And the other player that he tried to sign that summer that famously didn't happen was John Barnes. Yeah. Um, he ended up signing... Um, Ralphie Mark, Mill. Yeah, Ralph Mill yeah. And, and, and Mark Hughes. And Mark Hughes, I guess, is not too dissimilar from Van Basten with the technique of volleying and everything like that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, you could certainly make that comparison. They're both known for volleys. That's a good point. I would never have... Uh, I'd never have joined up those dots. But, uh, yeah, brilliant. Um Yes, and uh, yeah, for, for, uh, for, he couldn't get John Barnes. He tried for uh, Beardsley, of course. Mm. Beardsley had previously played very briefly for United under Atkinson, I think. Mm. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and uh, you know, so he was he was definitely uh, shopping at Harrods, you know, um, as as the old phrase went. Um, uh, you know, by at least trying for the best players uh, that were available. Um, and certainly Barnes didn't come you, you know there were left field buys as well and Ralph Milne would certainly the late Ralph Milne um, would certainly come into that category he was in my opinion very wrongly maligned at, uh, at United I remember him in Scotland with Dundee United my probably my most the club's name I, I like repeating more or less than any other being a Dundee <laughs> fan from the other end of the street but uh, no um, uh, Ralph Milne scored a famous goal up in Scotland to, to win the seal the title for, for Dundee United um, at our ground Dens Park and he was highly respected player and a very very good player but I wonder he, he of course uh, suffered from drink the curse of, 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 of excessive drinking and, and, and I wonder if that was already the case uh, unbeknown to Ferguson when, it, when he came to Old Trafford because certainly he didn't make much progress there and became a bit of a butt of the fans I think Wayne I don't know if you remember that mm. um, but uh, I, I certainly from my Scottish experience I remember him as a, a very very quick and dangerous goal scoring winger um, uh, in some ways not dissimilar from um, from Lee Sharp, who was another contemporary, um, who, who, whose potential uh, was never, in my opinion, realised, even though he played for England. I, th I thought he could have been a phenomenon. Mm -hmm. 
Richard. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I think he and he. I think he had his injury and illness problems, which yeah, really set him back. And and by the, I mean the the argument. And yeah, I guess we'll come to this in in episodes mm. to come. But certainly, Lee Sharp, the electric player, who was breaking through. Um, if he had had the rubber the green in terms of yeah. the sort of professional rubber the green, and I don't mean yeah. that you know, I'm talking about injury and illness, that there might not have been an opening for Ryan Giggs to get into the team. And I don't mean I'm not well, saying that lightly. No, I was, well, yes, it's quite a statement you've just made, but I, I happen to agree with it. Um, it, it. You know, Ryan Giggs, you think, oh, best winger, you know, one of the best wingers ever played. Um, but uh, oh, Sharpie! You know what a talent he was. What how quick he was. He was frighteningly quick, um, and and also could score goals. Had a lovely sunny personality as well. No problems with the personality. Uh, you know the, the 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 magnitude of Manchester United dwarfing his personality. Uh, great lad. And um, uh, luckily he had a he he had a career, but. Um, and he was an international and all that, but it was only about a quarter of what he could have achieved had, uh, had, had things sort of fallen his way a bit better. Yeah. Um, so Mark Hughes, club record fee, 1.8 million. Ralph Milne, a little bit of a shrewd buy, really, um, 170,000. Yeah, 170, yeah. Um, Jim Layton came in as Gary Bailey had um, suffered injury problems, so um, United needed a, a sort of steady replacement in goal. And, and Layton did a good job in his first season, uh, 50, yeah. 15 clean sheets. United looking for consistency to build on um, their second place finish. And this, I guess they did get consistency because they were drawing every week, Paddy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Couldn't score goals, could they? Uh, I don't know what the, the figures were, but it was it was uh, the, the goals total would have made a better defensive record than a goal scoring record. If you see what I mean? Forty five um, in thirty eight. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Um, it, it was. Uh, yeah, they couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't regularly score. They weren't creative enough, and um, yeah, it was. Uh, Jim Layton was a decent signing. Um, it, it, you know, but, but didn't really have the presence of of, of of Schmeichel, who was to come later. In fact, he didn't. He didn't have that presence, that uh, intimidating uh, presence that Schmeichel had. Um, but a tidy goalkeeper, a respectable goalkeeper. That there was speculation that, you know, of course, the, there was the triangle at Aberdeen of Leighton, McLeish, and Miller, which was the foundation of the success: goalkeeper and two centre backs. Um, and uh, there was quite a lot of speculation that that uh, Fergie would bring uh, Alex McLeish down uh, from Aberdeen. Um, and I think McLeish was a wee bit disappointed that the call never came. Um, but uh, they certainly had talked about it, and that was a, a possibility. But I think the success of Bruce and, and, and later Pallister, I mean, left no, uh, left no shirt available for a centre-half at Old Trafford. Yeah, and um, plenty of um, like you said, plenty of clean sheets in there as well. So United, there was some stability going, but yeah, ob- it obviously built, it was a backward from the back. That's right. Yeah, it was a backward step in terms of the fact that they couldn't win those games. They couldn't sort of. It, it was a period of transition, and the way that um, I've described it in the notes is a, a new manager coming in. He's always inheriting the best of the old manager, and then he's putting his own ideas into place, which he's now is he's a year and a half into the job. He's he's trying to make his own mark on it with the yeah. sort of big name signings as well. Um, 
but making his own mark and we talked about the Fergie Fury in the last mm-hmm. episode um, something that we talked about on the first series of, of this show Paddy is um, Fergie's <laughs> I guess relatively mellow relationship with the press in the early years in the early years yeah yeah, yeah he was uh, he was uh, he, he, he was a good lad I, I remember when he was at Aberdeen towards the end of his time at Aberdeen there was England and Scotland played in an under-21 international up at Aberdeen. And, of course, as manager of Aberdeen, he, he, he wanted to see it. He was there. England won. It was a good team. Hoddle and Butcher. My God, I feel my age now talking about <laughs> them as young players. But, um, uh, yeah, it was... Um, I remember after the game, you know, we were freezing. It was a typical Aberdeen winter night and... The press filed out, freezing into the into the street, and it was dark and everything. And then suddenly, this I think it was a Mercedes, a big sleek saloon, came out of the car park, and uh, and it was Fergie, and he and he rolled down the window, and and he piled up about three or four of us in the in the back of his car and drove us into town. And uh, <laughs> I mean. I mean, it, at Man United, sometimes it felt like he'd, he'd like to drive us into the Manchester Ship Canal, <laughs> not, in, not to our hotels. But he was a good lad, you know. He was, uh, and he was popular with the English press, possibly because he knew, uh, you know, that he, his ambitions lay there, and and he wanted to make a few friends. But uh, no, he was uh, it was fine. But increasingly, uh, he became his. The relationship with the press became more abrasive, um, or occasionally abrasive, um, and it wasn't always when he lost. Uh, he could be a good loser, uh, but he could he could be a bad winner. Mm. Yeah. Vindication, vindication can be the father of anger. <laughs> um, well, he was a good drawer for certain for those weeks ah, yes. <laughs> yeah he was not getting much practice of winning yeah no and, but they, they sort of turn around so the first thing is that earlier in the season he sold Jesper Olsen um, Olsen ended up at Bordeaux where he would play with Eric Cantona funnily enough um, but United were drawing they needed some kind of positive momentum with the form I actually came when they start to suffer an injury crisis um, and some of the young players came into the side so you've got the likes of um, Billy Garton, who was obviously there before uh, Ferguson came, but you had Lee Martin, Tony Gill, Russell Beardsmore, Daniel Graham. These lads came into the side and it had this galvanising effect that I don't think that um, Ferguson had accounted for. Yes, he obviously had no um, fear in bringing in young players, but I think because of the sort of hasty scenario in which they were introduced, it was like a, a boon which he wasn't expecting, really. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it, you're absolutely right. Um, it was a <clears throat> it was a cup tie that he first threw them in right in the midwinter of this season that we're talking about eighty eight eighty nine. Um, QPR had drawn nil nil at Old Trafford in the third round, and that's when he he threw in the youngsters. Uh, You've mentioned Martin, Tony Gill, Russell Beardsmore, and um, Lee Sharp played in that as well. Yeah. He was a still still only seventeen, and. Um, and, and, and interestingly, you know, if you compare it with now, uh, Ferguson, had, uh, Sharp, as you can remember, played for Torquay, and Ferguson had himself driven down to Torquay on a rainy night to do the scouting, you know? Mm. Um, now, <laughs> who would do the scouting 
for not just Manchester United, but most clubs, it's done by agents. The scout comes to you, the player comes to you, but yeah. now. But, but no, Ferguson wanted to see a player. Um, uh, you know, his, his talent for recruitment was no, uh, no accident. But <clears throat> what he said, actually, in an interview, I don't know if it was with me or something, but I, I used the, um, the quote in, in a book that I wrote about, about Ferguson, was what I wanted to show was a willingness to promote anyone who did well in the reserves. The worst thing for an older player is to lose his place to a younger man. It's the best competition you can ever get in a football club. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and the point was that he was making was that if a, you know, a big signing comes in, the player who's left out, he's still he's angry, but he says, well, I suppose he's paid so many million for the guy. Uh, he has to play him, you know, it's a sort of macho thing. Um, but if a kid comes in and a kid's threatening your place, it makes you more insecure and it increases the competition. And it, if you've got the right character, it heightens your, your performance level. Uh, a, a very interesting point of view. I've not, not realised that until I've forgotten it when I reread it in the book. But um, this was a, a time... Um, well, uh, again, we're, we're moving ahead... Uh, from this, but uh, uh, it was this this FA Cup that we're talking about, in which the young, youngsters were introduced. And by the way, they did prevail uh, in a third match against uh, against QPR. Um, this FA Cup was to be the FA Cup um, disfigured by the tragedy of uh, Hillsborough. Yeah, which all will. Of course, talk about in a moment. Uh, a couple yep. of those, the other youngsters who were in the side: David yep. Wilson, Giuliano Mairona. Um, oh, yeah. it, it was bought actually. He didn't come through the yeah. ranks. Did yeah. he not come? Came from a non-league club. Histon, yeah, Histon, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And and the reason I mentioned them in addition to the other players is that. Um, part of this sort of early process of youngsters being brought into the team, um, obviously they were schooled by Eric Harrison, and I've talked to basically all of those lads. They talked about how Harrison was too hard and that they felt Ferguson was too disciplined. And I always wondered if... Obviously Ferguson had he'd done this before at St Mirren and Aberdeen, so yeah. it wasn't like he was um, it was a new experience for him bringing in young players into the team. But I do wonder if the idea of coming into the biggest stage in British football, the the platform that comes with that, uh, the idea that those young players were always encouraged to express themselves, and under Arison and Ferguson, it was <coughs> so disciplined that um, especially a player like let's say Mayoran, who who is very he's, befitting of his Italian heritage you know he's, he had long hair he was uh, very expressionistic um, yes. and he, he in particular felt um, the, the sort of full hand of Ferguson and Harrison he felt that it was too hard the reason why I mention it um, in, in comparison is because I remember reading Gary Neville um, talking about Harrison and I wonder if this was something that the those lads coming through, because you've had the likes of Gary Neville and Ryan Giggs who were already at the club watching this happen, and they knew how disciplined that regime was. So they were seeing players who undoubtedly had talent, like Tony Gill was pro possibly even England standard. Uh, yes. Mairano was, um, I mean, 
he's the great unknown, but Brian Robson was comparing him to Maradona in training. They were saying, you're definitely going to play for Italy. So they were talking in those terms about those players. And you had the likes of Neville and Giggs watching as they were disciplined and basically not being harsh but their careers at Old Trafford didn't amount to more than this discussion that we're having about them no no, uh, but the injury you know you mentioned injury to, I mean Gil um, oh I, yeah, fair, yeah on reflection uh, Gil agreed with your assessment of where Gil could have gone but for his terrible luck with injury um, and uh, you know in, but injury funnily enough was to carry on um you know, and, and affect even the class of 92, you know. Mm. Uh, 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 Chris Casper was one who, who would have had a much better career but for injury. And possibly, above all, Ben Thornley, yeah. uh, who had a, 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 a respectable career. But again, he was... Um, it would have been no surprise to people who, who saw the class of 92 when they were the youth team. Um, I mean, you, you had uh, Gillespie on one wing and, and, and Thornley on the other, and certainly you thought Ben Thornley um, was was the craftier of the two. Yeah, Thornley, I, yeah, I guess again. But because we're talking about it right now, the yeah, thing with Ben yeah, but Thornley... Again, I'm racing ahead of... No, 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 but, but, he, no, but he says the thing is because the things like Ben Thornley, with all due respect, I, I love Ben, he's a great guy, but he's one of those things where it becomes a footnote for those future episodes, so maybe it's, it is yeah. better to talk about them while, while they're present in conversation. And, and Thornley, I, I definitely agree with you, the devastation of the injury. They, if you ever want to see how an injury can affect a player, his running style and the way that he attacked before and after that, injury was so pronounced um, it was devastating um, but yeah so United obviously they were learning the lessons of how they were going to deal with the young players um, and maybe Ferguson and Harrison did learn to perhaps be a little kinder to the younger players coming through although that's certainly not the recollection of Neville but still they might have felt a little bit um, you know um, good cop bad cop routine mm-hmm. instead of two bad cops <laughs> might have worked a little bit better um, but Funnily enough, once the injury crisis sort of um, got a little bit better at the club and, and those players dropped out of the side, the momentum dropped and the form, the bad form returned. And it was sort of like, because at this point you had Gill who was injured, but you also had, like, Olsen had gone, you had Whiteside who only played a few games, Remy Moses was only playing a few, I don't, did he play at all in that season? Don't, um, think, um, don't remember him, no. No, so you had Whiteside a handful of games, and Robson obviously played his full season, but McGraw again only half a season. Yeah. The, like I was saying earlier about the new manager coming in and dealing with the the best of the old manager, he sort of now had the worst of the old manager, mm-hmm. and they resulted in this very inconsistent period where they were losing more games. Yeah, I, I mean the only thing I'd add to that is that Strachan's days were numbered. Uh, yeah, yeah. At, at, at Manchester United, well, his career had a lot of glorious days to come, but his Manchester United days were numbered. Um, uh, and, and in fact, uh, hey, we're talking about Ferguson trying for the big names. He he uh, he tried for you couldn't have got a better right-sided replacement for Strachan uh, than Trevor Stephen, who, who was uh, just uh, who had a fantastic uh, reputation. Had built had built at uh, at Everton, uh, Burnley before that, but uh, Fergie was outbid by a Scottish club. <laughs> because Rangers at that time had more, had more uh, financial muscle than Manchester United or just about anybody else 
uh, and Rangers got him in Trevor Stephen instead. Yeah. Amazing that, isn't it? Imagine you, it happening now. You, you said that earlier, shopping at Harrods. So it's kind of like he was shopping at Harrods, but buying a Mark, at Marks and Spencer, which is respectable. But United needed yeah. Harrods to to yeah. win. Um, <laughs> they they finished in eleventh. They lost six of the last eight games. Pressure was growing. They needed a cup run. Um, the the cup run, which had that positive momentum you mentioned with QPR, but came flat um, against a, a defeat against Nottingham Forest. Um, <laughs> one of those games where um, Ferguson complained that United um, got negative um, refereeing influences. Yeah. But, um, as but that, t- was, that was Strachan's, uh, that game against Forest was Strachan's death knell because he felt that Stuart Pearce had intimidated him <laughs> yeah. I mean <laughs> I think he's intimidated <laughs> a few bigger yeah. lads than Gordon Strachan but, but yeah no uh, Ferguson felt that that shouldn't have happened and yep uh, it was a couple of days after that that uh, Ron Atkinson was the first to bid for Strachan uh, offered 200,000 then Howard Wilkinson came in with uh, 300,000 from Leeds and Ferguson felt that was a fair enough deal. So yeah. that was it. Off he went. Yeah, Gordon Strachan off to um, Leeds United, um, where he will certainly return in this series. Um, His we, glory. We, His glory days return. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, lesson learned, lessons learned, we were talking about with Alex Ferguson earlier. In the last episode, we talked about the fury that he was having with Kenny Dalgleish, or rather, Kenny Dalgleish was having with him. Um, mm. Said you would have more sense out of a baby. Um, but United's defeat to Forrest meant that Forrest went through to play Liverpool in the FA Cup semi final at Hillsborough um, and this episode um, ended curiously with Ferguson showing some solidarity with um, Dalgleish and all that Liverpool didn't it yes yes they did I mean they'd, they'd had a bit of personal history um, they were obviously you know uh, Ferguson had enormous respect for Dalgleish and, and vice versa because they were both top of their respective trees and fellow Scots but uh, there would had been the incident at Anfield, certainly, and um, and also going back further from that, you know the um, the omission of of Dalglish's mate uh, Alan Hansen from the from the World Cup and uh, of nineteen whatever it was uh, eighty six uh, when Ferguson was the manager mm. and uh, Dalglish's uh, subsequent withdrawal because of injury from that squad. So there was a bit of prickliness. All was. Uh, forgotten as humanity took over in in circumstances that no one would have wished after the the, the deaths of, of nearly a hundred people at at Hillsborough and uh, one of the first calls that Dalgleish uh, received after that uh, horrible tragedy was from Ferguson um, <coughs> and uh, you know as I say humanity took over and uh, sympathy you know over over road rivalry. Yeah. Um he did show great dignity in, in that side, but showed his competitive side when Arsenal won the league in dramatic circumstances. Abs- absolutely, because I mean Liverpool uh, after fourteen days of uh, respect for the dead um and funerals and so on, Liverpool amazing showed amazing spirit to win the <coughs> abandoned semi final against Nottingham Forest. They went on to beat Everton in the final at Wembley and would have taken the double, would have won the double 
in the season of Hillsborough, but for a 94th minute goal by Arsenal's Michael Thomas. I'm sure nobody really needs me to go back over the situation there. Liverpool only needed a narrow one-goal defeat uh, to clinch the title, to clinch the double in the year of Hillsborough, when in the 94th minute Michael Thomas struck Arsenal's second goal. And Ferguson was watching on television. Um, and he, he, he celebrated as if he was an Arsenal fan. He's, and, and his quote later was, I don't think I've ever been so delighted in my life to see anyone score a goal, as when Michael Thomas did. You have to bear in mind that I had a fear of Liverpool when I came down. Um, and, and he believed that, you know, their uh, knocking from their perch uh, could only assist Manchester United, even though... Uh, Manchester United, as you say, finished in mid-table, 10 places below uh, Liverpool and uh, 25 points... Uh, sorry, 10 places below Arsenal and 25 points behind. Yeah, um, United were in desperate need of some kind of on-pitch um, manifestation of the progress. And although they didn't, you know, the, the, the FA Cup journey ended abruptly to Nottingham Forest, they were eliminated from the League Cup very early by Wimbledon. They did get to one cup final, Paddy, this season. They got to the Mercantile Credit Centenary Trophy final, which was the um, the, the tournament that was held during that season to celebrate the 100th birthday of the Football League, which was the top eight teams of the previous season competing against each other. Um, I thought I was a football anorak, but I salute you. I salute you. Uh, yeah, United lost to Arsenal at Villa Park in that game, um, £22,000, refereed by George Courtney, people yeah. might remember. Um, yes, I do, from Spennymoor, County Durham. And who broke their hearts in that final? Michael Thomas. <laughs> oh, no. What a, what a season. <laughs> what a season. <laughs> yeah, it's what a double. What a double. No one else will ever do that. League and the mercantile, whatever it is. <laughs> uh, so, some transition on the pitch at United um, and the the way in which they ended the, uh, the season, speculation was growing about whether or not Ferguson, after two full years at Old Trafford and this 11th, face, uh, 11th place regression, effectively, um, might mean that he wasn't going to be the man for the job. A little bit more transition off the pitch during the pre-season, Paddy. Um, we'll talk about the 89-90 season in the next episode, but uh, it's worth dwelling on this summer before we talk about all the incomings and transfer activity because the major story was the actual ownership of Old Trafford, wasn't it? Mm-hmm, it was. And uh, uh, the background being that uh, Martin Edwards, who we've discussed at great length in previous episodes, um, it now uh, owned just over half of United, 50.2%, uh, built up his stake um, by, by borrowing. And, uh, well, among the predators who, who wanted to, to take the club off his hands uh, had been Robert Maxwell, the infamous Robert Maxwell, entrepreneur, media mogul, owner of Oxford United. Um, and, and this sort of created a, a bit of unpopularity with United's fans who felt that, you know, he was going to enrich himself by, by selling the club. But a, an even more, it's fair to say, an even more extraordinary suitor uh, than Robert Maxwell was to appear right at the start of the following season. Who, what was his name? Michael Knighton. Ah, yep. 
I can't wait for the next episode. Yeah, so the United didn't end up with Paul Gascoigne or Marco Van Basten, but they did end up with Michael Knight and juggling balls on the Stretford end pitch. Absolutely, <laughs> he scored. <laughs> He's in no trouble scoring. Admittedly, there wasn't a goalkeeper, but what a good goal at the Stretford end as well. Anyway, um, once again, I'm going ahead of myself. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.